If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. The phone rings and it's your friend inviting you over after school. They finally have it. You race to their house and make a beeline for their rec room, plopping yourselves down in front of their giant 19-inch Zenith television. So far this year, you've been pretty glued to the TV, as there have been some very significant moments that required everyone's attention. Some were pretty harrowing, one was exhilarating, and one other was an event the likes you had never seen before. But you're there for a different reason. You're there to watch the brand new channel that's making waves across the country. And little do you know how much of an impact this channel is going to have on you and everyone around you. All in all, this is really going to be a year for the books. I'm Jamie Logie, and this is Everything 80s, a podcast that looks back on a decade that forever changed the way we dress, consume, and connected. And today, we travel back to the year that was filled with some huge pop culture moments and some truly global events. This is a look back at the year 1981. We're now one year into the 1980s. And even though there is still some carryover and influence from the 1970s, the new decade is slowly finding its footing and carving out its own identity. Our focus today will be on the big pop culture moments, the movies, TV shows, music, technology, and sports. But we'll start with a recap of some of the significant world events that took place in 1981. 1981 begins with a new president as Ronald Reagan is sworn in on January 20th. June of 1981 was the first official reporting for what will be known as AIDS. The Voyager 2 is able to take images of Saturn's moon called Titan. Andrew Lloyd Webber's Cats first debuts in London's West End. Speaking of London, 1981 was when the very first London Marathon took place. On March 6, Walter Cronkite signed off the evening news for the very last time. In 1981, the average cost of a new home was around $78,000, average monthly rent around $315, and a gallon of gas cost about $1.25. But speaking of the economy, a recession is about to hit the U.S. in the summer of 1981, and it would last for more than a year. Here in Canada, just like the U.S., we were going through a period of high inflation. 
According to United Press International, 1981 was the highest inflation of prices in 33 years. Statistics Canada said that the annual increase in prices was 12.5%, up from 10.1% in 1980. This was the highest level of inflation since the country hit 17.2% in 1948. Along with the financial turbulence, we also need to start with a few more significant world events. One that was a big celebration, and two others that almost resulted in a terrible tragedy. One of those first events took place on March 30th, 1981, and it almost altered the entire world. If it weren't for a fraction of an inch, this episode would look completely different. On the morning of March 30th, President Ronald Reagan was leaving the Hilton Hotel in Washington, D.C. As he waved to the onlookers, several shots rang out. Reagan was immediately rushed into his waiting limo, which quickly sped off while officers and Secret Service tackled the assailant. One of the shots that missed Reagan ricocheted off the limo, and it looked like the president had narrowly avoided a tragedy. But while in the limo, Reagan began to cough up blood. It turns out that the bullet that ricocheted ended up hitting him under the left armpit as he was being pushed into the car. Reagan was rushed to George Washington University Hospital, where they realized how close this came to a horrible tragedy. Reagan remained there for nearly two weeks before eventually returning to the White House. If you want some more on this entire story, I have a previous episode all about it. And unfortunately, this wasn't the only high-profile attempt. A few months later, in May of 1981, Pope John Paul II was also shot, but he survived the attack too. Those two events were world news, as is our next big moment of 1981 that millions around the world tuned in to watch. It was the event called the Wedding of the Century. The Wedding of the Century took place between Diana Spencer and Prince Charles. During a time when the world was very enamored with the royals, and especially the soon-to-be newest member of the royal family, Diana Spencer, all eyes were glued. Held on July 29, 1981 at St. Paul's Cathedral in London, this wedding was truly a global event, and a lot of people tuned in to watch. The BBC reports that some 750 million people were watching that wedding. This was the power of the royal family, and most notably Diana, in the 1980s. This wedding seemed like something out of a movie, but it was real and happening right in front of us. Diana, ever her own person, also broke with tradition as she was the first royal to omit the word obey from her vows. And the wedding was also one of the few not to take place in Westminster Abbey. But it was still a remarkable spectacle and one of the most defining moments of the entire year. We unfortunately know how this story turns out, but for the time being in 1981, it seemed like a real-life Camelot. 
But let's move into the world of pop culture in 1981, because pop culture is culture. And we start with the world of movies. And this year it was dominated by one movie in particular. It was a collaboration between George Lucas, Steven Spielberg, and Lawrence Kasdan, who wrote The Empire Strikes Back. He created something that was a throwback to Saturday afternoon serials, just like Star Wars was. They created a new mythology featuring an actor the world now knew as Han Solo. Indiana Jones and the Raiders of the Lost Ark came out in June 1981, and it was a throwback to those 1930s Buck Rogers action-adventure movies. The character of Indiana was great, and the movie featured intense action, biblical mythology, and the search for the Ark of the Covenant. Of course, some of the special effects don't hold up today, but they were there to serve the story instead of being there for technology's sake. And for that reason, they still work. Raiders of the Lost Ark was a massive hit, earning more than $350 million, becoming the highest grossing film of 1981. Converted for today, that's over $1.2 billion. But besides being a massive financial success, Raiders of the Lost Ark was a critical hit too, and it makes an appearance on the American Film Institute's top 100 films of all time. And speaking of that, I have a previous episode all about the movies from the 1980s that made that AFI top 100 list. Next up in 1981 is a movie you may have loved if you were a kid, and that is The Great Muppet Caper. I think this is the best of the Muppet movies and some of Jim Henson's finest work. With The Great Muppet Caper, Henson took the concept of The Muppet Show and put it on the big screen. All of those elements from The Muppet Show, which finished in March 1981, are there in The Great Muppet Caper. It's wacky, it's hilarious, it's full of great music, and it's a great spy caper. The Great Muppet Caper was filmed in England, where The Muppet Show was also filmed, and they put together a movie where everyone involved is firing on all cylinders. The Muppets, as a franchise, had really come into their own. By 1981, they were a true world-renowned brand, and capitalized on everything that makes the Muppets the Muppets. I think what makes this such a great Muppets offering is that it's the only Muppet movie that was directed by Jim Henson. You can feel his touch and influence all over this film. And to me, it's one of the best things they ever did. So here's a list of some of the other notable movies from 1981. We had Heavy Metal, Chariots of Fire, For Your Eyes Only, On Golden Pond, Superman 2, The Cannonball Run, 9 to 5, and The Fox and the Hound. Looking at the Oscar winners for that year, the 53rd Academy Awards was set to take place on March 30th, and that ties back to our first story because this was the day of the assassination attempt on Ronald Reagan. The ceremony was held the next day, and the big winners included the Best Actor going to Robert De Niro for Raging Bull, Best Actress to Sissy Spacek for The Coal Miner's Daughter, the Best Picture was Ordinary People, and the Best Director, Robert Redford, for Ordinary People. Let's move into the world of music in 1981, 
as it's one of the most significant years in the decade, and also in the history of music. And it's mainly because of one new TV channel. It was a channel that forever changed the way we consume media. It launched new bands and styles of music, and it made an artist's visual representation more important than ever. And it was launched on August 1st, 1981, with footage of a NASA space shuttle launch. Ladies and gentlemen, rock and roll. With this brand new music television, or MTV, artists now had to pay close attention to how they promoted themselves. Appearance was more critical than ever. Looking good was now as important as sounding good. However, this wasn't a problem for bands from the UK, and they drove the early days of MTV, launching another British invasion of sorts. British music had been using short musical clips on shows like Top of the Pops for years, so British artists were all too familiar with the importance of videos and easily adapted to the new MTV movement. Duran Duran, A Flock of Seagulls, Depeche Mode, and The Culture Club were just some of the bands making a big splash. Duran Duran was specifically notable as they created a genuine frenzy everywhere they went. Instead of just looking at album covers or maybe magazine pictures, fans of bands and artists now got to see their favorites in living color from the comfort of their own living rooms. The rise of MTV helped to launch other new artists like Cyndi Lauper and Madonna and helped push Michael Jackson to even loftier heights. MTV drove new fashion trends and hairstyles as millions of viewers looked to emulate the styles appearing on their TV screens. This would continue for decades to come. MTV also introduced us to new bands and artists we probably would have never heard of, and we had 24-hour access. If you want some more on the history of MTV, I also have a previous episode about this groundbreaking and culture-shifting channel. When it came to the songs at the top of the charts, there was quite a variety in 1981. Because of the influx of new British talent, the new wave sound continues to be prominent on the radio, on TV, and in clubs. New wave, that unique genre that combines bits of punk, synth pop, reggae, and regular pop, may be one of the most defining sounds of 1981. But there is still a wide range of genres when it comes to the top of the charts. Case in point. According to Billboard and the year-end top 100, the number one song of the year was Betty Davis Eyes by Kim Cairns. It spent nine weeks at number one, and it was considered the top single of the year. But Endless Love by Diana Ross and Lionel Richie also spent nine weeks at number one. Physical by Olivia Newton-John was a massive hit too and closed out the year at number one for six straight weeks. Other top songs of 1981, according to Billboard, were Kiss on My Lips by Hall Notes and Jesse's Girl by Rick Springfield. And then there was a song that spent the start of 1981 at number one 
and it was kind of tough to listen to. And that was the song, Just Like Starting Over, by John Lennon. Lennon was tragically killed in December 1980, and the new year started with the legendary artist at the top of the charts. But the music of 1981 is only just getting started, as there were some other significant singles that came out this year, songs that would go on to define the entire 1980s. Everything 80s will return after these messages. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Welcome to the Snapple Market Auditory Experience. Close your eyes. Imagine you're walking into your neighborhood store. You make your way to the back and reach for your favorite Snapple flavor. You can't wait. You take a sip. Whoa, that's a lot of flavor. Mmm. What flavor are you holding? Now, open your eyes and check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavorful Snapple near you. In 1981, we saw the release of several singles that would end up representing the entire decade, including Tainted Love by Soft Cell, Don't You Want Me by The Human League, Just Can't Get Enough by Depeche Mode, Every Little Thing She Does Is Magic by The Police, Rapture by Blondie, Our Lips Are Sealed by The Go-Go's, and the karaoke classic Don't Stop Believin' by Journey. When it comes to the top-selling albums of 1981, it's, yet again, another mismatch of musical styles. According to bestsellingalbums.org, which takes data from available countries and regions with an available sales database, here's what the top 10 best-selling albums look like. In 10th place, Get Lucky by Loverboy. 9th was Tattoo You by The Rolling Stones. In 8th, Belladonna by Stevie Nicks. Number seven, Moving Pictures by Rush. In six, For Those About to Rock, We Salute You by ACDC. Fifth place was Memories by Barbara Streisand. Appropriately in fourth place was Four by Foreigner. Third place, Business as Usual by Men at Work. Second place, Face Value by Phil Collins. And the number one best-selling album of 1981 with 25 million album sales, Queen's Greatest Hits. So quite the variety in 1981 in that top 10 list. And all in all, an incredible and historic year for music. We now move over to the world of technology and video games. And in 1981, when it comes to video games, Atari still rules the roost. Coming out of the 70s, Atari is still going strong and really hitting their stride in the early years of the 1980s. But looking over into the world of arcades, there were some big releases in 1981. The class of 81 includes Donkey Kong, the George Costanza favorite Frogger, Centipede, Tempest, and Galaga. 
The release of Donkey Kong is especially notable, as it's not only one of the biggest arcade games ever, but introduced a new character called Jumpman. Jumpman would eventually be given a brother and a new name. The two of them went on to become plumbers, and Mario and Luigi, as the world would come to know them, would soon star in their own arcade game called Mario Brothers. As big as Atari was in the homes, it was arcade games that were still a big part of life in the early 1980s. Not everyone had an Atari, and those who did often made note of how the home versions of certain games just weren't as good as the arcade version. The game Pac-Man is a notable example of this. The Atari version was pretty good, but it didn't translate over into the home video game experience as well as many hoped. Pac-Man, as an arcade game, was still going strong. Extremely strong. Released in 1980, Pac-Man continued to dominate in 1981. According to VideoGameSalesFandom.com, between 1980 and 1981, 350,000 arcade cabinets of Pac-Man were sold. The revenue these arcade games generated hit over $1.1 billion. And that is just from the sales of the units. When it came to the actual revenue from quarters being placed in the game, which is called coin drop earnings, Pac-Man revenue was estimated to be in the $3 billion range. This is how big arcade games were in the early 80s, specifically in 1981. A July 1982 New York Times article states that video game revenue for the prior year had hit eight to nine billion dollars. This was at least twice to three times more than the revenue brought in by all movies shown in theaters. And adjusted for inflation, that revenue is in the $27 billion range in today's money, a staggering amount. In 1981, Pac-Man alone grossed three times more than Star Wars had made in the five years since its release. In one year, Pac-Man had tripled the revenue of the most successful movie in history, and all from quarters. In 1981, arcades weren't just a driving force in the video game world, but they went far beyond just the games themselves, as arcades were a social hub for most kids. For those who were younger, the arcade was like the bar or a nightclub. The arcade is where you showed off your skills and discovered new games, but they were also the spot to socialize and network, all set to that familiar background noise. In other areas of technology, things are starting to heat up when it came to the personal computer. In 1981, the IBM PC first hit the market. IBM put a lot of what it knows about computers into the new IBM personal computer. Not to make it complicated, but to make it simple. So it's easy to understand and easy to use. IBM made its personal computer to help a person be more productive, to help a person be more creative. Those are good reasons for a person to feel good. That PC 
known as the IBM 5150, came with a 4.7 MHz processor, and the entry models had only 16K of RAM. According to IBM.com, there were doubts that the company could even pull off a personal computer. One analyst said, quote, IBM bringing out a personal computer would be like teaching an elephant how to tap dance, unquote. I'm guessing that analyst didn't end up keeping their job. But speaking of technology, space exploration forever changed in April 1981. This was when NASA launched the very Minus first 10, space shuttle. Nine, eight, seven, six, five, four. We've gone for main engine start. We have main engine start. Space Shuttle Columbia launched on April 12th at 7 a.m. and spent two days and six hours in space. This remarkable creation ushered in a new era of spaceflight, as the shuttle was reusable and could fly back and land on its own. According to Space.com, discussions regarding a reusable spacecraft go all the way back to 1966. But in 1981, the future was here. And to further connect this episode together, the launch of the Space Shuttle Columbia was used for that very first intro that launched MTV. On the automotive side of technology, an interesting new car was released in 1981. It was the brainchild of a former employee of General Motors who eventually branched out on his own. With an engine made by Renault and a body made by Lotus, the new creation was dubbed the DMC-12. There were some issues with the car, but its unique look made it an eye-catcher. And the world would become even more familiar with it in a blockbuster movie released a few years later. You probably know the DMC-12 by the surname of its creator, John DeLorean. We now move over to the world of television, and in 1981, TV is an absolute center point of our lives. Our living rooms and televisions was the epicenter of all our entertainment. The VCR is slowly catching on, but still very expensive, and not in most homes. My family didn't own one until late 1985. And in an era with no internet, or streaming of course, TV was it. With only three networks, primetime television was an event. In 1981, watching TV was a collective experience. You knew that everyone was watching the same thing as you and at the same time. It seems like such a bygone era where everyone experienced the same thing together. The Royal Wedding is the perfect example of this, but even regularly scheduled shows created that collective viewing experience. 1981 was all about big shows and big ratings. Here's what the top 10 highest rated shows for 1981 look like and their accompanying ratings. At number one, the primetime drama that captured everyone's attention back in the early 80s, Dallas, with an average rating of 28.4. That rating means that nearly 30% of all TV viewers tuned in to watch Dallas. 
But not far behind Dallas in the Nielsen ratings was the powerhouse 60 Minutes at number two with a 27.7. For the rest of the top 10, the ratings between all of them are quite close, keeping them neck and neck in the Nielsen ratings. At number three was the Jeffersons with a 23.4, Three's Company with a 23.3, Alice with a 22.7, Tied for six, we have the Dukes of Hazard and Too Close for Comfort, both with a 22.6 rating. At number eight, and you may remember this well depending on how old you are, is the ABC Monday Night Movie. That had an average rating of 22.5. At number nine was MASH with a 22.3, and rounding out the top 10, One Day at a Time with a 22 rating. But also in 1981, some significant new shows first debuted, including one of the biggest shows of the entire decade, Dynasty. And some of those other notable debuts include Cagney and Lacey, Gimme a Break, The Fall Guy, Hill Street Blues, Entertainment Tonight, The Smurfs, Danger Mouse, Spider-Man and His Amazing Friends, in the UK, Postman Pat, and if you're Canadian, the beloved Today's Special. Shout it loud and clear, 1981, quite the year when it comes to TV. And continuing with TV viewing, we move into the world of sports. There's always a bit of a letdown coming off of an Olympic year. The Winter Olympics of 1980 gave us one of the greatest sports moments in history with the Do You Believe in Miracles upset of the Russians by the Americans in hockey. But that's not to say there weren't any significant sporting moments in 1981. Far from it, actually. Let's look at a few highlights. In April, Larry Holmes defeats Trevor Burbick to win the WBC heavyweight title. And this is interesting because these two fighters play a key role with the great Muhammad Ali. In 1980, Larry Holmes defeated Ali in a fight that was pretty tough to watch and resulted in Ali's trainer stopping the fight in the 10th round. But then, in December 1981, Ali took on Trevor Burbick in what turned out to be Muhammad Ali's very last professional fight. Despite his age and health issues, Ali managed to hold his own. He ended up losing in a decision, but performed much better than people were expecting, especially after the disaster of the Larry Holmes fight. I have a previous episode all about Ali's last pro fight dubbed The Drama in the Bahamas if you want to check that one out too. Elsewhere in the world of sports, Tom Watson wins the Masters in Golf, John McEnroe wins Wimbledon in the famous You Cannot Be Serious match, and he also wins the U.S. Open. Chris Everett wins Wimbledon. Martina Navratilova wins the French and Australian Open. When it came to hockey, 1981 would also continue the dynasty of the New York Islanders. The 1980s are all about sports dynasties, and in hockey, the Islanders ruled the ice. It would still be a few years before the Edmonton Oilers would emerge as the next 80s dynasty in hockey, but 
for the time being, the hockey world centered on Long Island. But speaking of the Oilers, 1981 was a remarkable year for the great Wayne Gretzky. In the 1980-81 season, Gretzky put up an incredible 164 points, breaking the nearly 10-year-old record for most points in a season. In the fall of 1981 and the start of the new 1981-82 NHL season, Gretzky continues on his ferocious pace, and he ends that season with 212 points and an unfathomable 92 goals. That goal record still stands to this day, and I think I can safely say it will never be broken. Here are the other champions in the big four North American sports. The Boston Celtics win the NBA championship, the Super Bowl is won by the Oakland Raiders, and the Los Angeles Dodgers capture the World Series. So that is 1981, a year that had some very significant world events, but also some big moments as related to pop culture. The decade is also slowly becoming more technological with the advancement of the PC. The concept of a home computer was still quite foreign to many people, but it wouldn't be long before they took up a natural place in homes across the country. For me, pop culture-wise, what stands out most in 1981 is the world of video games, specifically arcades, TV, and the launch of so many notable new shows, and of course, the rise of MTV. MTV represented a seismic shift in pop culture, and like I said at the top of the show, pop culture is our culture. It didn't take long for everyone to want their MTV. Even for those who hated it or didn't understand it, MTV created a new movement that could not be ignored. And on that bombshell, it's time to end. Thank you so much for listening. And if you like what you heard, you know there's plenty more where that came from. I suggested some other shows for further listening throughout this episode, but I have a ton of previous episodes for you to dive back into. And if you haven't already, be sure to subscribe to the Everything 80s podcast wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss out on new episodes. If you're in a position to help support the show, you can consider becoming a part of Patreon.com. That's the platform to get access to bonus 1980s audio content, including things like the Everything 80s movie review podcast. So if you want to learn more about that, you can head on over to patreon.com slash 80s. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash 80s or click on the link in the description. So again, thank you for being here with me today. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this episode. I'm Jamie. This has been Everything 80s, but I'll be back soon with a new episode. Don't you dare miss it. <laughs>